I'm actually more coordinated than I thought. I got that mask off without ripping off the microphone. <laughs> um, I, Jeff and uh, worship team, thank you. A uh, uh, little different sitting down there and just trying to figure out where to read the, the, the words, but uh, the, the lyrics, the music this morning, we praise you. This is what heaven sounds like. This is what heaven feels like. Um, and, and going on from there, just the, the, the filling up of my own heart, seeing here at the, the last, the goodness of God. I will sing of the goodness of God. Thank you for the, the gift of that leadership in music this morning. Well, the year was 1517, and the month was October. The day was the 31st. That's this coming Saturday. It will have been 503 years since this took place in Wittenberg, Germany, that a German monk, Martin Luther, posted 95 theses on the doors of All Saints Church, the Castle Church in uh, Wittenberg, sparking the beginning of the Protestant Reformation. And it spread like a, a holy wildfire. It went to Geneva and John Calvin, to Scotland and John Knox, and out of that uh, came the Presbyterian Church. IPC is in that, that legacy, that, that heritage. I read in the, uh, the United Kingdom Spectator magazine a few weeks back uh, uh, that Nicola Sturgeon, the first minister of uh, Scotland, and I have an affection for that country. My son has lived in Glasgow now for something close to 17 or 18 years, but uh, she, I, I read that she was about to impose, and in fact it will take place, I believe, on the 2nd of November, a new five-tier COVID system, but she was about to bring in a, another round of crackdowns and limitations and regulations, uh, and she was going to do it. Here, here was, here's what caught my attention. She was going to do it with Presbyterian zeal. What on earth did that mean? Wow. And I thought, oh, goodness, we Presbyterians, you know, cold and callous and calculating and limitations and restrictions and impositions and all the rest of that. I mean, after all, is it not Presbyterians who came up with those words like, can't you just feel the coldest of them? Predestination. Predestined. Well, actually, I don't think so. Those are... Truthfully, those are very biblical words, and they're words of, of, of warmth and, uh, and, and love, far from cold and callous and, and, and calculating. You may be familiar with the, the, the verses in Romans 8, particularly verse 28, where it says, we know that all things work together for those who are called according to His purpose who love God. Well, we usually stop quoting the verse at that point. We don't go on to finish it. For those who love God, for those who are called according to His purpose, for those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers brothers and sisters. Now, it's not my, my message this morning, really, but I, I very quickly, at least I hope for a preacher it can be very quickly, give you two words strong words of comfort and love and assurance about being predestined by God. One, it means this. It means that God has committed Himself to you and there's no going back. There's no 
turning back on you on God's part. God is for you, and God is not against you. Uh, all of us, and myself most of all, we're like you know, these unpolished stones that God holds in his, his hand, and he's working away, he's refining, he's shaping, he's, he's crafting in us this likeness and this image to his own dear son. And friends, that is happening right now. It's happening through the afternoon, it's happening tomorrow, it's happening the day after that. God has no plans at all whatsoever to stop the good work that He's doing in you. The good work that He started in you, He will bring to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. That's what it means, first of all. Secondly, it means that you are in the family, you are part of the family of the firstborn from among the dead. Jesus, alive from the dead, we sang about that this morning, you know, raised out of the ground. Jesus is now, he, he, he is at work forming in you what it means to be fully human and, and fully alive. And you're in for that. You're not out of that. You're in. Everything that, everything that Jesus has achieved, everything that he's accomplished all the advantages and the, the, the benefits of the, of the firstborn from among the dead, they belong to you of his life, his death, and his resurrection. They're yours in Christ. Now back to Romans 8 where, believe it or not, um, I, I really get some inspiration for the message this morning. It's verse 30. And those whom he predestined, there's that word of love, okay? That's, that's love right there. He also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Now that's another big, huge uh, Reformation word on this Reformation Sunday. You know, one of the 16th century reformers in Zurich, Switzerland, Heinrich Bullinger, he was known as the, the pastor to the Protestant refugees who were fleeing from England. And he, he preached a series of, of messages, actually 101 messages from the book of Revelation to these uh, refugees fleeing from England. He was, he was into being this glorification thing big time. The the longing of this reformer's heart, the, 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 the passion of his very being, the, the zeal that captivated him and had captured him was to know God and to see his Lord and Savior. It, there was nothing about crackdowns and limitations and regulations. No, that what there were were longings for God and longings for God's new heaven and new earth for our ultimate home. And that's why this morning I, uh, I want to speak from Revelation chapter 22. And I'd like to uh, read that scripture for you now, but before I do, just to, to lead in, in prayer for uh, God to Give us eyes to see and, and ears to hear to uh, illuminate this last chapter of the last book of the Bible. Let's pray together. Gracious God, here's what we believe, and we acknowledge this in your presence this morning, that there is nothing, there is no one who can sabotage your sovereignty, 
sovereignty of love over our lives. And we don't have to strive. Uh, we don't have to work hard to get your attention. We, we don't have to make a case for it. We don't have to convince you of anything this morning. We just know this, that we can come to you as children in your family, children of a loving and good God who is right here by your spirit to speak your good word, and we ask you to speak that word. Speak into our hearts this morning of the living word of the Lord Jesus Christ through your written word in the scriptures. We pray for this. And loving God, by the power of your spirit, show yourself to us. Show yourself. Let the scriptures offer us a a powerful and life-changing word in Revelation 22. And open our eyes. Yes, we pray for that. Open our ears to hear. And we pray for all of this in the grace-soaked name of Jesus. Amen. So from Revelation 22. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of that city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And then the leaves of the tree, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be in their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. The angel said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God who inspires the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things, and when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, don't do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and with your fellow prophets and with all who keep the words of this scroll. Worship God. Then he told me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this scroll because the time is near. Let the one who has done wrong continue to do wrong. Let the vile person continue to be vile. Let the one who does right continue to do right. And let the holy person continue to be holy. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, Come! And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty, come. And let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the waters of life. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this scroll 
If anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this scroll. And if anyone takes words away from this scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this scroll. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. Well, I, uh, I love the, the picture of, of life that's painted for us in this passage. It's a thrilling picture of heaven and earth coming together with the return of Christ and life here on earth being fully renewed and restored and healed. We read there about stuff that just, oh, our imagination can hardly take it in. The healing of the nations. No more curse, no more sickness or evil or death. Life in the very presence of, of, of God, able to see God. I, I read, I hear stuff like that, and I, like I, 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 you've got to be with me. You can only say yes, yes, and, 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 and yes again. Because you, I'm sure you too, uh, here this morning at IPC, watching online, you, you have these longings that are, 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 are deep within your spirit as well. I, I have them. C.S. Lewis wrote about them. He said, he wrote that the fact that our heart yearns for something that earth can't supply is proof that heaven must be our home. Now, I get that. I, I believe that, that you get that too because we have this, this inner sense in looking at the world that we live in, there simply must be more. Now, I know you can't speak out loud, but you can put your hand up and agree with me. There's got to be more. There's got to be more for us than living as we are in this time of a, a, a pandemic. There's got to be more than the hatreds and the divisions and the, and the evil. More than, than all of this, the suffering and the pain and the hurt. There's got to be something more. And this passage points us to the something more. Now, I, I, I said yes, yes, and yes, but there's a there's a bit of nagging in me as well because there's, there's a struggle that I, I have with it. I, I, I love it, but I'm torn. You know, three times the, the angel says, Jesus is coming soon, and that's the place where I, uh, I struggle. Because I... Are, are you like this too? But I just... I wonder to myself, how eager am I to really pray that prayer of verse 20? Come, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. Come, come soon. If that means that Jesus is going to return this afternoon. I mean, you ever, you ever think to yourself, if Jesus came this afternoon or tomorrow, that you just might be a little short-changed of what you were expecting for your life? Have you ever felt like that? Well, I guess I'm the only one. I, I know that, that I have. Uh, I mean, I got some things that, that I have in my mind I don't want to miss out on, God willing. You know, I, I mean, I have six grandchildren. I, I want to see their graduations, uh, you know. 
Yeah, I want to see them marry. And yes, I, great grandchildren. Oh, I can hardly wait to be called great grandpa George or great papa George. You know, I mean, there's my struggle. I don't know if there's people like me that are out there. How do we how do we hold this together in a a, a real way of faith, a, 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 a meaningful way. I mean, praying that prayer, Lord Jesus, come and come soon and, and come quickly and yet have all of these as yet unrealized hopes and, and, and dreams. Well, it's, a, it's a, an illustration that's often been used and I'm going to use it because it is a, a, a good illustration. A, a real estate developer was once asked why the, the units in his building sold so much more quickly than those of other developers. And he said, to the person who, who asked, he said, you just have to go and look at the windows in their buildings, then you come and look at the windows in, in, in my buildings, and you will know the answer. And so they did that. And, and, and what they saw was that the windows in his tall buildings were floor-to-ceiling windows. You ever heard the thing, location, location, location? Well, this developer was saying it's floor-to-ceiling windows, floor-to-ceiling windows, floor-to-ceiling windows was the point that he was making. And I believe that, that trying to bring this together, this prayer of longing, and yet this prayer, this, this, these unrealized as yet hopes and dreams and ambitions for our lives, they, we can bring them together as we look through these floor-to-ceiling windows, as it were, of Revelation 22. Um, yeah, we're going to get these frames up here, but the, the first frame is to see the, the gap. You know, the creation account in Genesis 1 has this uh, comment after every one of God's creative work on the uh, first six days, and God saw that it was good. You go to Genesis chapter 3, and you read about something very, very different. You read about what we call the fall, and it was not good. Sin had entered the picture, stained, soiled, spoiled, the good in every part. The infection was widespread. It was across the board. And to see the gap is to recognize that between what our world presently is and what God created it to be, there's this, there's this great span, this wide gulf. And I know with me you're painfully aware of how wide that gulf is with the stuff that's happening in our world, in our lives, maybe even as you look into your own heart. Now to be sure by the, by the grace of God we can, we can look out and we can see things that are marvelous and things that are, are, are good. There is so much that's good, but we've got to understand and see this gap that Everything in some way or another has been infected. Sin is present. The bad, the wrong, and the not right. That's the first one. Second one frame of the window is to grieve that gap. You know, this, this is just simply a case of learning to be honest, to not, to not live in denial about the effect of the... Uh, of, of the gap. And so to allow ourselves to weep and to sorrow and to lament what is bad and wrong and, and, and not right, to feel deeply the, the pain and the hurt that this 
gap, this gulf, represents the distance that there is between the good that God created and the fallen and stained world that we, we live in. We don't sugarcoat over any of it. We are saddened by it. We mourn it. You know, I, uh, on Tuesday evenings, I, I help facilitate a, a small group at the coping center in, uh, in Cambridge. It's a bereavement loss center. And I've been doing this for about two, three years now. And I can tell you for a fact that in every single group, the, the, the people who are there who have lost a loved one, and these are parents whose adult children have died, or, uh, uh, you know, there's mixed loss groups. They, they, will, they will say to a person that they feel like aliens. And, and I, I, I understand it. I, I, I get it because they, they find that, I say this painfully, they find that sometimes even within the, the, the church, People don't know the measure of mourning and sadness and grief that they're experiencing and going through, not just for three days or a week or a month, but you know, over the course of a year and, and, and years indeed. To learn, to, to learn for ourselves and to learn with others to, to grieve the gap. The third frame, to see how Christ's death on the cross closes the gap. Now, that starts right now. What a, what a great series our pastor has been uh, offering us. The, you know, e eternity is now. Uh, the, the kingdom of God is here and, and starting now and, and then finally and fully in the future. You know, John 3.16 tells us that God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. Why? Because God was grieved by the gap, but He still loved what He had created. And so God made a way where there seemed to be no way. God purposed, God planned, God predestined to set things right that had gone so wrong. God so loved the cosmos that He gave Himself in His Son, Jesus the Christ, to pay the penalty, to suffer the full curse of the gap so that a new day would come, a new creation would be formed, that God would be the one to relieve the suffering and the pain and the hurt. Friends, the, the kingdom of God is come, it's, and it's coming, because Eden is going to be restored to be even more than it first was. I, uh, I love living where we do it right now. It, it, it's out in the country, so I, I struggle a little bit even with this one. You know, the, Eden was a garden, but what's coming is going to be something far more than a garden. <laughs> it's going to be a, a new kind of city. I got to get, I got to prepare myself to get ready for city living again because this is going to be the city, the holy city. It's going to be an urban masterpiece of harmony, of life, of health, and of wholeness. And what we get to taste here and now of it is, I, th I think of it as being like the hors d'oeuvre. And you know when you get a good hors d'oeuvre, you're in a fine dining restaurant and you get that hors d'oeuvre, it's not ending there. That's what we have now. But you know when you're in that restaurant, there's going to be something more coming. There's going to be that sumptuous entree and that dessert to top all desserts. Uh, maybe I won't have to watch my sugar then. I don't know. But you know, it, it's, it's going to be incredible. And God is going to give it. 
And we get sightings now of what that new creation, that new city of God is like, God in the midst. And, and, and I, I have to say, God, let it be, let it be, let it be, because one of the places where we're to be citing that right now is in the church. It's right here in, in, in IBC. And, you know, what we experience as, you know, I hope more and more we get, you know, COVID-19 lifted off and the release comes together, together again, uh, all together. But we, we, when you've eaten something so tasty, you know, the, 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 our, our, we start salivating for more. And that's what church does. Gather together the people of God. We start salivating for more of what God is going to do. When that day comes and there will be no more death and no more mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things will have passed away and all things will have been made new. Okay, frame number four. Live today to close the gap. There's this gap. And, and we're one of those places, the church, where, where God has started His his, his new work. So live today to close the gap with God's help. The high calling of everyone who belongs to Christ is a follower of Jesus is to be one of his ambassadors of today, of, of the life that's coming tomorrow. And we bear witness to it in every dimension of life that we have. Students here, you bear witness to it. You live to close the gap. A teacher here, you live to close the gap. Parents here, you live to close the gap. Uh, grandparents here, you live to close the gap too. In your workplace, you live to close the gap. Are you retired? You live to close that gap. You know, we have to realize that, that work is not a curse. Work is a gift of God. And retirement is not the fulfillment of our existence. I, I've had to come to realize that. Because, you know, to think that retirement is the fulfillment of my existence is to settle for a fake heaven. It's fake news. It's not right. Retirement is a gift of God. But whatever your work, wherever your work, how you spend your retirement years, you know, we are to live to close the gap with God's help. Now, some folks say no to that way of life because they, uh, they think that it means that you've become uh, so heavenly-minded that you're no longer of any earthly use or, or good. But exactly the opposite is the, is the truth of it. Again, let me offer you a word from, from C.S. Lewis. Lewis writes this, If you read history, you will find out that the Christians who, who did most for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next world. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this world. But we have come to see that what God has accomplished through the life, the death, and the resurrection of Christ is for this world and for the world to come. And so we live to close the gap. We live as the, the foretaste of what's still on the way. We love God, we love others, and we love our enemies. Sometimes think there's only those first two commandments, but there's another commandment there too. We're to love our enemies, right? We love God, we love others, we love our enemies. Frame number five. Understand how small and weak our efforts are going to be to, uh, to close that gap. It, you know, it's really easy for a person like myself or a, a, a church even to, to get an inflated sense of what uh, I can accomplish or we can accomplish and bring to pass. You know, when we think 
too highly of ourselves, that's at the very point that the, uh, the, the, the kingdom of God is just going to slip right through our hands and we're going to end up on the sharp rocks of despair and disillusionment and all the rest. We don't bring in. IPC will not bring in God's new day. But with God's help, we can see maybe something of the tip of the iceberg of that with God's help. But that's probably all we're going to get to see in, in this life. One day we're going to see it all. The, the, you know, there'll be no, no, it's going to be wide, wide open. One day God is going to bring to pass things that are, are going to be so much beyond our imagination. They'll, they'll magnify every, the, the, the very deepest desires and longings that are in our heart, and they're going to take it to the hundredth power. It'll, it'll be beyond belief. It's something that only God can do and God can bring to pass. Now, we do have a part to play here and now. There is a real importance to understand that high call of God on our lives, but at best, you know, maybe, maybe we're 5%, maybe we're 8%, maybe we're, we're 10%, but God's 90%. It's God's doing. Again, just to quote to you from C.S. Lewis, he used the word, I'm just going to use the, quote the word he used. I, I've lived with this word in my mind for a long, long time, my heart too. He uses the word the shadow lands. And uh, that's where we live. We live in the shadow lands of what's coming. But when it comes, there's going to be brilliance and light of such a, a magnitude uh, it's going to take every plan and ambition that we have in this life, as good as it may seem and, and be, and, and take us way, way beyond that. I was talking with a close friend yesterday. Um, her husband died quite suddenly uh, 29 years ago. Her oldest of three was nine years old, and she's had to raise um, the children in that time since. And she was just sharing with me when she heard I was speaking on Revelation 22, how she continues to really believe in the depth of our being that, that God is going to be able to make sense of it for her one day. And she will see the wide-arching wonder of what God has been at work doing. To bring heaven and earth together. That brings me to the last frame. It's frame number six. Longing for God to close the gap fully and finally with the coming of the new heaven and the new earth. How does God want us to long for the coming of Jesus to bring in the new heaven and the new earth? Well, just uh, quickly. Number one, by resisting the agenda of darkness wherever it is found in our world. And I think that that largely means that we will be people who are committed to living and to speaking the truth. Be bold to speak in love the truth 
in every part of our lives. We resist the darkness by embracing the agenda, secondly, the agenda of light of God's new creation in Jesus Christ. And number three, by daring to enter the darkness with the candle of the light and the love of Christ burning brightly. I'm of the vintage that I can remember Graham Kendrick's song in the uh, mid-80s, late-80s, Shine, Jesus, Shine. That's what we do. We, we dare with Jesus to enter the darkness with the candle of the light and the love of the kingdom of God, of Jesus burning brightly. And we bring all of that together by, by praying from the deepest part of our being, the, the prayer, what I call the prayer of longing. Come, Lord Jesus. You know, that's expressed in a, a, an Aramaic word in the, uh, the New Testament here in Revelation 22. You know the word Maranatha? That's, that's the word that's there. And let me just see if I can break that down. I think it will come up for you on the, the screen. But mer, that means Lord. And means our. Atha means come. You bring them all together. Our Lord, come. Can you um, whisper it behind your mask there with me? Maranatha. Maranatha. Our Lord, come. Come, Lord Jesus. In chapter 22, verse 17, Revelation, we read, the Spirit and the bride say, come. And I, you know, I, it took me quite a while to, to bring these two, to link these two together, but I, I see it with a whole lot more clarity now. There's this inseparable link between the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God, and the bride of Christ, between God's Spirit and the church, between God the Holy Spirit and the the people of God. And the prayer of longing that, that rises up from within us means that we're filled with the Spirit of God. Those who are filled with the Spirit of God, they're the ones who can pray this. The Spirit and the bride say, come Lord Jesus. This is a Spirit-filled prayer. The Spirit-filled prayer of, of, of IPC. You know, if, if I'm having trouble... If I'm struggling, if this church is having trouble struggling to pray that prayer, then we first of all need to be praying, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Lord, fill our church, fill us with your spirit. The bride, the spirit, come together. Come, Lord Jesus, come. We just finished off a, uh, Pastor Chris did a, a series based on John Ortberg's uh, book, uh, eternity. Now I want to quote just an ending from another one of his books, When the Game is Over, It All Goes Back in the Box. And Ortberg relates a story from uh, Bishop Kenneth Ulmer, who at the time was the pastor of a church that met in, the, in Los Angeles at the old forum where the Los Angeles Lakers uh, used to play basketball. And Ulmer tells the story of, of two men who were visiting in a museum and they saw in the museum uh, the painting of a, of a chess game. And one character in the painting looked like a man, and the other looked very much like the devil. And the man in the painting was, was down to his last piece, and the title of the painting was Checkmate. And uh, one of the two men that was looking at 
the painting was a, an international chess champion, and, and something about the painting and, and intrigued him. He couldn't take his eyes off it. He, became, he began to study. He became so engrossed in, in, in it that the other man who was standing with him be, you know, started to get impatient and a little bit uh, irritable, and he asked what he was doing. And the, the chess champion said, there's something about this painting that bothers me. I, I, I need to study it for a while longer. You go ahead and you wander around and you come back later. And so when his friend uh, came back after a while, the, the, the chess master said to him, we've got to locate the man who painted this piece. We, we must tell him that he's either got to change the picture or he's got to change the title because I have determined that there's something wrong with this painting and I would know because I'm an international chess championship. And his friend said, well, what's wrong with the, with the painting? And the man replied, it's titled Checkmate, but the title is wrong because the king still has one more move. That's where we live right now. And I know, I do know that life hurts. I know that we struggle and we suffer and we know loss and we grieve, we sorrow and we mourn. But you know the scripture with me where it talks about we're not without hope. Because, friends, I want to tell you, there's still one more move for the king. Glorification day is coming. And the healing of the nations is around the corner. Our king still has one more move to take. And because of that, I have, you have, we have, IPC has this joy irrepressible within us. We know what's coming. We know what's ahead. And we have this confidence. What's coming, we've come to see and understand with certainty in the risen Jesus Christ, the firstborn from among the dead. It's for real. It's for real. The one who is the firstborn from among the dead, the, the firstborn from among many brothers and sisters who are going to come after, witnesses by His Spirit, to my spirit and to your spirit, the king still has one more move. And that's why we pray. Maranatha. Maranatha. Come, Lord Jesus. I want to pray. I invite the worship team to, to, to come up. Um, pray with me. Spirit of the living God, thank you that you are here. And thank you that you are working in our lives as the bride of Christ, the church, to be able to pray together this prayer of longing, not of a fake hope, an uncertain hope, but a prayer of solid and sure hope. Maranatha. Maranatha. 
We grieve, but we do not grieve as those without hope. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. And we thank you for the good work that you have started in each one of our lives and in this church and that you will bring it to completion in the day of Christ's return. But we ask, Lord Jesus, in the power of your Spirit to so equip us with all the ways and means possible and the abilities possible, the resources possible to bear witness together as ambassadors of the living and reigning Lord Jesus Christ that the light and the love of the kingdom is here and it's coming. We want to see so many more gathered into the living body of Jesus. Let it be shine, Jesus shine, and let it be. We pray this in the awesome and the mighty grace-filled name of Jesus. Amen.